Welcome to the Untold Hour. Joining me today is uh, nobody except for Aristotle, who may or may not pop in when he feels like he wants to make a comment. But um, Bowser is going to be MIA for the next couple of episodes only because he needs to catch up on some work. Uh, in particular, a lot of his stuff in regards to um, his Onyx the Fortuitous movie. So if you guys want to help him out, he has a Kickstarter. So uh, just search for Onyx the Fortuitous over at Kickstarter and uh, help him reach his goal. And that way um, we can get him back on the show ASAP. But in the meantime, I actually found some very... I mean, of all the times, I guess, for him to not be involved, um, I found some very good uh, Bowser's Backyard meets Untold Hour paranormal stories to talk about today. In particular, a certain CIA, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, 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 gamble mission attempt to create um, spy kitties. So I will tell you all about that right now. So um, what what got me into thinking about this as a topic was that I had apparently left myself, left myself notes about possible cool future um, Untold Hour podcast uh, things to talk about. And I had completely forgotten uh, about writing this, but I in my notes, I had written how two Siamese cats spy during the 1960s or broke up a spy ring in the 1960s and i have no memory of any of that like writing real any life of that. mementoed yourself yeah basically yes thanks aristotle um yeah he's joining us uh yeah i totally real life mementoed myself but then i was like well i obviously am an intriguing individual how did i come up with this i did a little bit of research as to like where the hell did i hear this because i truly could not remember it at all and I think that's because when I did do the search, it brought up some very questionable websites. It seems to be some sort of urban myth or something that's just being kind of rotated around the internet. I didn't find any actual hardcore evidence as to did this actually happen, um, except for one thing. And we'll get into that next because that's the main crux of today's story. But just so that you know what the story is about the Siamese cats leading off with this, the story goes that in the 1960s, two Siamese cats living at Holland's embassy in Moscow kept scratching at the walls. The owners, thinking that mice or rats were in the walls or like messing around with the wires or whatever, and like what's going on with the cats, uh, investigated it, took the walls apart, um, and uh, found that actually inside there were radios that spies had set up in there in order to listen in on the embassy's uh, secrets and conversations. And that the reason that these cats were consistently scratching in this spot is that they could actually hear when the microphones were turned on by the Russian spies. And that that is how the uh, spy ring was broken up. But like I said before, there is no actual real like 
solid proof that that story ever occurred. So I'm wondering if it is actually a playoff of an, a real story that the CIA was, uh, that is out about the CIA. Um, I think it came to light in mid two thousands where they finally, um, uh, let it hit the public and it is called operation acoustic kitty, which to me, like I said before, is the perfect combo of Bowser's backyard meets untold hour, (laughs) but he's not here. So he's missing out. Can't believe he's missing this. Can't believe of all the times. And I had no idea that he was missing this when I picked the subject matter. I picked the subject matter and then he texted us and was like, I can't make it today. And I was like, oh, so that's two really good ones in a row. So, yes, Acoustic Kitty actually was real. You can find documented proof uh, both from the CIA and some like high end media companies uh, that have... um, talked about the story. It's not terribly in-depth, so this might be a shorter podcast combo than usual, but but it's super interesting and super, and super kind of a, a unique approach, just which leads me to believe, like, these kind of stories that we're about to get into next, these kind of declassified missions and situations and um, experiments that the government does, when they come to light, it's like you kind of start to understand... And I use this, I use, I say these words extremely carefully because of everything, but you, un, you start to understand why, why some people get wrapped up in conspiracy theories, because some of the shit that's actually real, that's out there and can be proven as being actual events that the government has attempted or tried or pulled off are so out of left field and outlandish and weird that you're like, well, if they did that, then of course, like it's, it's I, like, I can, I can get why people sometimes have a hard, like why Snopes exists. Let's put it that way. Like, and thank God of it for it. So Acoustic Kitty, besides being a, a, a amazingly missed opportunity band name for anybody from the Lilith Fair generation, which is uh, me, um, was the name of an actual CIA project launched in the 1960s as a way to use cats to spy on the Kremlin and Soviet embassies. So it was actually the U.S.'s concept to use this technique to spy on the Soviets, um, not the Holland story where Russians had put microphones in the walls via the cats. So this is the theory. This is basically what the government was trying to do. This was their breakdown. Basically, they would get a veterinary surgeon who would implant a microphone in the cat's ear canal, a small radio transmitter at the base of its skull, and then a thin wire through its fur or through its skin. The hope was that this would then enable the cat to secretly record and transmit sound from its surroundings. So you would, uh, you would, um, you know, be able to place it or get it adopted or somehow get it into one of these buildings or even just an area close by where you knew that the people that you wanted to spy on were hanging out. And then, you know, the cat would be there and be able to pick up on all this stuff. My thing when I first heard this was, well, okay, how, I mean, (laughs) if they were sitting here having a pitch conversation, having this real convo about like, how are we going to pull this off? The two things that popped into my mind were, number one, purring, right? So a cat purrs when it's content and happy and all those things. So if you 
if you get a cat in a situation where it's comfortable around the people that it's that's taking care of it, possibly this Russian embassy that you're trying to spy on, and you want to have these conversation, and this is the 1960s, so I'm assuming that you would have to be relatively close to the people talking in order for this cat's transmitter to pick up on this conversation clearly. That would lead one to believe that the cat not only needs to be in the room, but relatively close to the people talking. So there is the chance, yes, that the cat could just be curled up sleeping on the couch or something and these people are having a conversation and everything's fine. But usually you knew to have a cat in the lap and you'd be petting it. And so then the cat would start to purr. And if you're a person like me who's ever tried to like have a conversation, well, even with your headphones on, you can kind of hear the echo and the noise that your voice is making within your own head. And it's always slightly louder than what people on the outside of your body that you're talking to actually hear. So apply that same thought process to a cat that's purring. Wouldn't the microphone pick up the purring and the purring audio override the sound of the conversation that it's trying to snag? Uh, Aristotle, hop in here on this one because yeah. you deal with audio all the time, particularly mics. Especially if that transmitter is like resting on the body of the cat, it's going to vibrate from the purring. Right? So, but I also... I think it depends on who they're sending, who they're sending these cats after. Uh, well, they're sending like, it after Russian diplomats that are staying at these embassies. But that's also like how I guess I can totally picture Russian diplomats sitting around petting cats. But I, I mostly think of like men who are like, don't bother me with this cat and just leave it sitting in the room. And that's how that's how you get them. Yeah, and that's another thing, too, that I was like, huh, because, like, who allows pets in an embassy? I mean, like, just rando animals that you just picked up. Like, of course, like, that seems like the biggest leak in security possible. But, hey, you know, like, everybody, every country's made, uh, in hindsight, has made uh, poor security decisions in their past. So, who, I, possibly, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Sure. This is the, the lesson that now everyone's learned from, and that's why we don't allow cats in embassies. Yeah, don't don't allow animals in embassies, I guess, because unless they're like, you know, they need to be there to help individuals that need um that need guide dogs and stuff. But like, you know, what? Like, like who would just be like, OK, this is the embassy cat. I, I don't know. I guess it's fine. I didn't even think that far ahead. My whole thing was like, wouldn't the purring throw the transmitting on the audio off? But that's uh, that's from us doing so many podcasts and audio and acoustics being the first thing that pops into my mind every time. Um, so they actually went through with this. Back onto the main story. The CIA actually went through with this enough to test this stuff out. So... There's two different stories that are floating around out there. I actually believe the latter one, but this one's a pretty pretty good kind of urban myth as well, assuming that it's not true. So the first acoustic kitty mission was to eavesdrop on two men in a park outside of the Soviet compound on Washington Avenue in Washington, D.C. So the cat was released nearby after being hooked up with all this stuff and was pointed in the direction of the park, but the mission failed almost immediately when the cat was struck and killed by a taxi. Oh my God. 
<laughs> so, so that's the story. That's kind of like the, the general story that's floating around. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, because it was actually disputed back in 2013 when Robert Wallace, who was the former director of the CIA's Office of Technical Service, said that the project, which did exist, he didn't deny the project, but that the project was abandoned due, the, due to the difficulty of training a cat to behave as required, which I find completely unsurprising. I mean, hello, you're dealing with cats, people. And like cats are not impossible to train. I've, I, but it's, you know, it's not something that one normally does. Not at all. I, I assume that that would have been like the first thing that comes up is like, have any of you ever trained a cat? And now that I've seen TikTok videos of the cats on the toilet, but how long did it take us to get there? Like, how long did it take you to get there? And obviously, it might. Like, I had an aunt who trained her cat, but basic, basic stuff. Like, hey, for this treat, you need to put your paw in my hand. Not you need to go and spy on these people and then report back. You know, like, it was, it was, um, it was, uh, it's doable. But I'm also wondering if, like, because those situations, like, that cat that's using the toilet is using the toilet because it's also, like, by its owner's and it's nearby the people that are training it. My aunt who trained her cat, you know, was sitting right there in front of it feeding it treats. So if you're trying to spy on these people in this embassy, I'm wondering if the cat's not doing what you need it to do because you're too far away. Like it needs to, you know, it's like, fine, fuck it. Like I'll, I'll do it because you're sitting there right next to me, but I'm not going to do this when you're not in, in you know, eye, like distance, in eye yeah. distance. That's a good sight. point because I guess that... I would assume dogs would be the better candidate, but I guess it's kind of the same. It's how do you train an animal to follow someone? Uh, yeah, without I don't know you being in direct eye sign, eye line, uh, and not attack the person. Yeah, and I think that's you know, especially where when we're talking about cats. I think dogs. Yeah, you could pull that off. They're domesticated enough. But I, I think that the difference that people forget is that if I remember my facts relatively correctly, we, we as in the people, domesticated dogs, but cats kind of domesticated themselves. Like that was a conscious choice that cats made to realize like, hey, if I go in and I make friends with these people in this tribe or group or whatever out in the wild, uh, they'll feed me stuff. So I'm just going to do that. Like they made the conscious decision. It wasn't that somebody was like, hey, that animal looks really cool. I'm going to train it. <laughs> it was like, no, cats chose to be domesticated. It's not like we were able to domesticate them, which is so weird to think about. But anyway, I don't know. Maybe that's the difference. Listen, I don't know enough about animals or training. I can barely get my dogs to go to the bathroom outside properly, or at least my little one. So, you know, who am I to be pointing fingers? But these are just general kind of like, you know, because that's what the world need is needs is more general assumptions. But these are just general assumptions I'm making based off this story. Needless to say... So this this uh, story about the cat getting hit by the taxi and like having the whole system fall apart. Uh, this one um, Robert Wallace, director of the CIA, 
uh, said that that's actually not the case. He came out and said this in 2013. He said that the experiment had not got or the experiment didn't go well and was difficult because obviously training cat is uh, really hard to do. And that the experimental cat that they had been working on and thinking about kind of trying to test this out with had actually gotten dewired and I, this word kind of grossed me out, but that's what they had in the article, re-sown, <laughs> and then went on to live a really happy, long cat life for many years afterwards. So he said basically like, hey, this didn't work out, but the story ended on a, on a high note with a happy ending, and this cat uh, lives a wonderful life. So that is good. You know, I would much rather, between the two stories, have it be that the cat went and lived a, a, nice, a nice life. Um... So then the project was actually officially canceled in 1967. The closing docs on the subject on the subject from the CIA read uh, as to the reason why they closed it down. The environmental and security factors in using this technique in a real foreign situation force us to conclude that for our intelligence purposes, it would not be practical, which I find completely unsurprising. And, uh, and yeah, that's kind of where it ends. There's the story. I did not realize that was going to only be like 20 minutes. <laughs> well, impractical for sure. But if you Google Operation Acoustic Kitty and go to the images, there's a lot of fun images there. <laughs> okay, we have at least that. that. Kitty. I mean, the title, the name, the name of this thing. Oh, my gosh. That cat's cross-eyed. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there's one from History Daily, uh, a little further down, that is, I love, it's a cat on a roof looking through binoculars. I mean, and it's, it's like just, a real photo. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's not like this is the first time that the government has used animals to spy or do work for it. Uh, one of the more interesting ones was the bat bomb. So bat bombs were experimental World War II weapons developed by the U.S., and the bomb consisted out of a bomb-shaped casing with over a thousand compartments, each containing a hibernating Mexican free-tailed bat with a small incendiary bomb attached. So basically, they would send this bomb out, the, the bats would fly out of the casement with little bombs on themselves, and then go and land on different buildings and forest area and whatnot, and then blow it up. So there was no attempt to uh, even keep these bats alive. That one's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. So um, so there was that. That was a top secret, secret weapon. And then also we had military dolphins, which I think is the one that's most commonly known. Um, but during World War, or I'm sorry, during the Cold War, dolphins were used to spot suspicious objects or individuals near harbors and ships, as well as detecting submarines or other underwater mines. Um, they continue to be used to help locate underwater mines currently, as well as for object recovery and the rescue of lost naval swimmers. So dolphins are still working with the military. But um, yeah, I mean, it's not, this is not unheard of before. That one's pretty awesome. I like that one. I mean, listen, I do and I don't. I don't think that the government should be using any of these animals to do work that that is... That you they know, didn't sign that, up and like that they didn't sign up for and is for war. Uh, but 
I guess knowing that they're going to do it, whether I approve or not, I mean, out of all of the stories, at least these seem more like, you know, kind of like um, uh, police canine, you know, like it's the, a division of, how do I want to say this? Do you know what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is like, it's not, oh, well, let's stick a bunch of bombs or like bombed yeah. up bats in this thing and then let them explode themselves. It's like, really oh, funny. okay, well, they're actually super smart really intelligent animals that can help us do this job. Um, let, let's In a I way hope. that we can't really do at all. Yeah, yeah. Can't and say the, that I like the idea, but I can, like. I don't think the government cares what my opinion is on the matter. So that being the case, out of all of the ideas, that's the most interesting, I guess. And, yeah. hum, and that humane seems like the less likely to, to put them in a dangerous situation. Yeah, I mean, unless, you know, I don't know. There's a... I just got, I just got sidetracked by this other dolphin information that I just came across, which is dolphins have been found to bludgeon porpoises to death by the hundreds. Unlike most animal killers, which each, which eat their prey, dolphins seem to have murderous urges unrelated to the need for food. And they've also been observed in reoccurring acts of infant side infanticide. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I forgot that dolphins are actually really mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that part or the fact that they like to get high off of puffer fish. That one cracks me <laughs> up too. Man, I forgot that dolphins are like really uh, kind of... Fucked up. <laughs> yeah, not, not the nicest. Not the nicest. Which is interesting because they're so intelligent. Just goes you know, to show you. That actually just made me think, it, do you... We look at dolphins, super intelligent, mm -hmm. kind of, uh, they're kind of messed up. Do you think that's kind of like a weird reflection of us as humans? Super intelligent, but also actually kind of just fucked up. Yeah. I, that, that's exactly the point that I was trying. Yes, I absolutely. Uh -oh. Like, I think you and I had the same thought at the same time where it's like, huh, I wonder if there's a connection there. <laughs> it's like watching an alternate universe TV show with mm -hmm. everyone's a dolphin. It's like, wow, they are such terrible people, but it's just us as dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we're talking about this and we're kind of live searching as we go, um, I did not know that the U.S. Navy also has trained sea lions and whales to do work as well. It says a beluga whale was found. Let's see. When was this article written? This article was written 2019. And it says a beluga whale was found off the coast of Norway and believed to be trained by the Russian Navy. The U.S. Navy has trained dolphins and sea lions since the Vietnam War as part of its marine mammal program. So it actually has a full mammal program, full marine mammal program. Wow. While it's unclear what exactly the Russian beluga whale was trained to do, America's naval animals, uh, it's about 70 bottlenose dolphins and 30 California sea lions, search for objects and patrol restricted waters. That's in, that's amazing. That is amazing. How do you begin to train a whale? I don't know. Like dolphins, obviously, 
Like, I get. And, like, sea lions, too. Like, you know, for better or for worse, I was young at a time when going to something like SeaWorld was, like, totally fine. And nobody knew anything. And so that, you know, or even, like, aquariums today, you see the animals that they've trained and and things of that nature. And they put on the shows and stuff. So I can kind of get behind the concept of training those. Like, yeah, they want the food. But a whale... Like, I feel like what's the, like, how big does the snack need to be? I mean, I guess obviously a killer whale, but a beluga whale? Mm-hmm. Like that, like, whoa, what are you feeding that thing to get it to agree to do stuff? And I feel like you, it that requires so much space to even, like, see a result. Like, you can't train a whale to go to the other side of the room in a small room, because otherwise it could just be swimming around. Yeah. Like, that just seems like so many resources. <laughs> so many. And, well, it goes on here to say, so this was a, a, like I said before, this was a 2019 article from The Guardian. So you can actually go to theguardian.com and look this up. But uh, like we had said before, um, though many laud the animals for saving lives, the program has not been without controversy, as animal advocates have argued that it's inhumane to keep the animals in captivity. The Navy says that their dolphins and sea lions get the highest standard of care. Um, and that back in the 1990s, it was rumored that the Navy once tried to train the dolphins to, in combat, teaching them how to kill enemy divers, which to me, uh, judging how much the dolphins just kill on their own might make them happy and totally good at it. But that wouldn't surprise me to hear if that was actually the case. (laughs) The Navy's denied the claim, saying that it's impossible to train dolphins to be combative, but mm, I don't know. (laughs) Those dolphins will be combative all on their own. Uh, And so, yeah, so this has been something that's been going on, I guess, with our military for a long time. I just, I never knew that cats, bringing it around back to cats, I never knew that cats had uh, been even considered. Makes sense when you think about the concept that they're trying to do, uh, but then makes more sense when they realized it failed because cats just don't give a fuck. (laughs) They just don't. They're like, whatever, don't care, not not involved in any of this. I also have... uh an article pulled up and it's like a full article. So I'd have to like sit and read it. And I'm not going to do that right now, but there, one of the the quotes here is from a Bob Bailey, first director of training for the Navy's pioneering dolphin program. But he says, we never found an animal. We could not train says Bailey. Mm -hmm. He's done everything from teaching the dolphins to Inventing the bird brain, an apparatus that enabled a person to play tic-tac-toe against a chicken. And then <laughs> a little later, he even talks about training a spider. What? Yeah. that Like, just using a laser pointer and a little bit of wind. He, uh, by the time I finished, all I had to do is turn that light on, and he says, and the spider would go defensive. What the heck? So was, uh, uh is this man the animal whisperer? Uh, apparently, like, I think he just kind of finds ways to do what they naturally do and then manipulate that. Like, okay. he says uh, alligators, moles, and crustaceans were some of the particularly challenging creatures to train. 
but it's like there's no breakdown of like by animal. It's just a full article that I'd have to dive into to, to get those. Wow. Deep. Well, so maybe we shouldn't give up on the cats getting trained just yet. I don't like the idea of having to implant them with wires. That's a little nuts to me and uh, uncalled for, but yeah. Anytime you have to like implant something. Listen, we're just one small, we're just one small transmitter away. And it wouldn't surprise me to find out that they've already done this from like attaching a transmitter to the back of a fly and putting it in a room. And you're literally a fly on the wall at that point. Like we're so close to black mirror level. If we haven't already achieved it that. Yeah. I was just going to say, I I feel like we're closer to the black mirror B episode where we don't even need the fly. You just build a robot fly. Yeah, exactly. That too. Absolutely. And then you just stick it somewhere and nobody would know. You get all the intel anyway and call it a day. So no need to like fully rewire a cat <laughs> to, to send it in there and hope that they adopt it. Um, so that being said, that's all I have for this particular story. Sorry, this was so short, you guys. Uh, we were just trying to um, uh, make this happen at least on time so that we had this week covered since Bowser can't be here. Um, per usual, I'm going to throw out that you can join Bowser and myself, fingers crossed, hopefully every Sunday. Um, we usually go live at noon. Sometimes that fluctuates due to schedule. Uh, but I keep everybody relatively, I was going to say well updated, but I'll just say I keep everybody updated, um, in my discord or on my social media, if we're going to be running a little late that day or not. But so far, I will say we have not missed a single Sunday. We've just missed the times, but we've always done it. So this last Sunday in particular was absolutely exceptional. We had wonderful listener stories. It was really great to hear from everybody. I really had a good time, and uh, I'd love to keep that momentum going. So if you would like to go and uh, join us and share your listener stories with us or just do a Q&A or whatever, uh, feel free to do so. That's Sundays over at... Um, stereo, uh, roughly around noon, uh, my time, which is Pacific time. And, uh, and even if Bowser doesn't join us, uh, Aristotle and I will be on there, uh, anyway. So you'll be able to, uh, chat with us there. And I think that's it for today. And onyxthemovie.com. Onyxthemovie.com. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, next week, will be a, I'll stick to our regular hour podcast time slot because I know this one was super fast and also kind of on the fly. One, because we were trying to come up with a, a concept that I could bust out really quick on my own. But two, also because I had no idea that what I looked up was going to be that short when I have nobody else to talk to. And thank God Aristotle jumped into the mix. To help me save myself. Um, but yeah, okay, long story short, this is why I'm terrible at signing off is because I really don't know how. Uh, you have been listening to The Untold Hour. Thanks for joining us and bye. bye. Hey, everybody, Jess here. Wanted to add a quick addendum onto the end of this podcast. I actually have a little bit more information that I thought was really cool that we might as well add it on, especially since this episode is so short. This actually comes from the article that Aristotle was talking about earlier on. It's a smithsonianmag.com article. I will post it to our Facebook group page to make sure that you guys see it, I promise. But I just thought it would be fun to add on a couple extra little facts here that we glean from the article. Now, this article is a 
tome. It is thickly written. So I highly recommend you sit down, hunker down, and be in the right mindset to read this. Uh, it's, it's a little dry, but it's very interesting, and I highly recommend you check it out. That being said, here's the addendum that despite cats not working out, a la Acoustic Kitty, and other animals kind of working out in a fluctuating success scale, one of the CIA's biggest animal spy success stories, uh, besides the, what the Navy has been using, was the ones with birds. So during the start of the Cold War, let's say the 1960s for... Um, for our story's sake, but also a little bit of the you know mid to late 1950s as well. The CIA employed the IQ Zoo, which was a tourist spot in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and the folks behind the animal acts in and around the Hot Springs tourism area, things like, you know, I don't know, chickens jumping on top of each other when their trainer asked them to, or pigs acting like dogs, who knows? But you know, the little sideshow kind of acts that you see at farms and things of that nature. Well, those were the same folks training the cats to eavesdrop in on conversations, ravens discreetly dropping off transmitters onto embassy windowsills, and pigeons warning of enemy ambushes uh, because they were actually contracted by the government to do so. So the people coming to see these acts were actually just kind of taking in a free show of what the CIA was training these animals to do kind of in plain sight. So the trainers actually used a combination of various training techniques. Obviously, there's Pavlovian. You can go negative or positive with this. One of the negative ways of using a Pavlov response is um, in the article itself, a gentleman actually managed to train a spider. And so what he would do is he would take a laser light, a little pin light, and shine it. And when he saw that the um, spider actually noticed the light, he would blow on the spider. Now, spiders don't like wind. You know, they're at risk of being blown away or their webs damaged. And so they actually hunker down into kind of a defensive posture. So he would do this again and again and again to the spider. And it got to the point that by the time the spider saw the light, even if the spider didn't feel the blow and the guy didn't blow on the spider and the spider felt no wind, the spider would still assume that defensive posture. And so, yeah, that's a version of a negative response. He was responding Pavlovian. Uh, he, was, he had a negative Pavlovian response to the wind. A positive way of doing it and what B.F. Skinner uh, invented and called operant conditioning. And there's many, uh, there's many nuances to this, but essentially what I gleaned from the article is the positive way of using a Pavlovian response is to like, let's say you had a bunch of pigeons and you put them in a box with a bunch of buttons that you want them to press. And if they press the one, the right one, you give them food. Well, over time, that pigeon will choose to hit that button of its own accord in order to get that food because that is its positive response. And so therefore that you are now getting animals to do things voluntarily, whether than rather than forcing them uh, to, to, um, just kind of physically react to something. So every single animal that the CIA looked at was up for grabs potentially as becoming uh, spies. Obviously, we talked about acoustic kitties and cats that didn't quite work out. They go into that in this article as well as the story that the cat actually got hit by a car and the other the guy that said, no, that's not really what happened. Who knows what's actually true? But uh, acoustic kitty didn't work out so well. They kind of ditched out on those. Obviously, like we've talked about in the podcast near the end there, a lot of marine life did work out really well for the CIA and also for Navy trainers. 
But one of the possible, one of the ones that they uh, thought of about doing, which they didn't think they wouldn't be able to train them, but I'm assuming they just thought like, what would be the point is lice. They chose not to deal with lice at all. My guess, and this is totally my own assumption, is what is the point of spending all your time trying to train these lice, which people hate, and then infesting an area with those lice just so that the people, in order to get rid of them, would destroy those lice, thereby destroying all of your hard work. So that's the only thing I can think of as regards to like why they wouldn't bother with lice. Also, who wants to train lice? I mean, you're at risk of getting exposed yourself, and then it's all downhill from there. But they do, they did and they do look at every single possible animal as being a potential spy animal. So you never know. Um, your cat might be spying on you. Here we are worried about our cell phones, but uh, it might be your pet. Um, anyway, just wanted to say I thought that that was super cool. I will be posting this article up. It, has, it goes into a lot more, a lot, a lot more detail than we did on this podcast. Um, and quite honestly, anything else I've found on the internet since. Uh, highly recommend checking it out. Again, thank you guys for joining us. Um, really appreciate it. Sorry this one was so short this week, and we will see you next Tuesday. Untoldians, that is it for this episode of the Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bazaar. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to the Untold Hour Pod at gmail.com. Come join the Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at the Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. Starbands Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.